Hello everyone, welcome once again to A Reason for Hope. We're so glad you're joining us and have uh, found a way to view or listen to us today here. Reason for Hope, in case it's your first time or in case you forgot since yesterday, is a, uh, an hour-long live broadcast which is guided by your questions on the Bible. We have multiple online platforms where we're stream streaming live to. You can send in your questions on the Bible in the chat functions on those platforms. We have some wonderful guests here today who are going to use God's Word, the Bible, to find the answers to those questions. So it could be a verse of Scripture that has confused you, you'd like it to be explained a bit more, or the Bible as a whole, even Christianity as a faith and belief system. Maybe something you're going through in your life on a more personal level, you'd like to know what the Bible says about it, what God's uh, intent was for us and our lives, anything along those lines, as long as it's an honest question. And as long as you know, the Bible is where we turn for our answers on a reason for hope here. So again, we're very glad you joined us. We're glad for your questions. Send them in early. I'm sure if you have a question, there's uh, many others listening who have the same question. So be that brave soul that uh, puts the question out there. My name is Dave Robson. I will be hosting today and fielding the questions as they come on in. Just keeping my eye on all those platforms as we go along. With us again today, Pastor Bo Willett. He's the assistant pastor here at Calvary Christian Fellowship, where we're streaming from. How are yeah, you doing? Good, man. It's doing great good. to be here again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Two days in a row, at least, or three. Three. Three been, days. Yeah. yeah in a row. It's kind of weird. But, you know, I do <laughs> want to say uh, it's been really awesome. Um, all the questions that come in, I love, love it. And um, there's some great questions yep. uh, that certainly come in. And, you know, gosh, what a challenge for us to sit down and answer all these that's right yeah it but is. it's great it is and thank you i mean i often say thank you for your years of being dedicated to god's word and the wisdom that you've you know you've had from that to be able to share and the bravery it takes to come on yeah, this show thanks, but man. yeah but we do get great Feels questions like a privilege <laughs> yeah oh yeah it is it's certainly a privilege and we get questions from you know very specific things buried in the old testament to just like, how do I live for God today? <laughs> you right. know, um, which is great. You know, just to go with wherever it, wherever it goes. Uh, again, guided by your questions. So yeah, thanks both for being yep. here. And of course, Pastor Sean Richards, how you doing today? Fighting hiccups. Fighting hiccups. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll we'll take you off air, off the mic when you have a an attack. But yeah, well, once again, thank you both for being here, and uh, thank you viewers for joining us today. As I mentioned, a reason for hope. It's a live broadcast. Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m., we are with you uh, here in Tucson, Arizona, is where we uh, broadcast from. It's a ministry and outreach of Calvary Christian Fellowship here in Tucson. So calvarychristianfellowship.com is our website. That's a great place to go, especially if, you, if you're not a big social media person or you're you know, trying to you know, boycott one of them or, you know, you got banned from them or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, calvarychristianfellowship.com is a great home base for you if you go to that watch live tab that will take you to our live page anytime we're live uh, that's where we stream to so as we're live right now when you uh, go to that address you will see the video there and you can sign in with a username and send your question in in the chat function when we're off air you will see what you're looking at right now which is a, a list of upcoming events and also a countdown to uh, the next event that's going to be going live so we stream there, Reason for Hope, and also our services here at Calvary Christian Fellowship. So, of course, you're more than welcome to check those out as we are live. ccftucson.online.church is what you can type straight into your address bar in your browser. ccftucson.online.church. That will take you to the same page. Or follow the link, like I just explained, from calvarychristianfellowship.com. 
Uh, but we're on Facebook as well, facebook.com slash CCF Tucson, or search for Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson. Don't forget to, to like and share. We'd appreciate that so, so we can just widen our reach there. But that's another way you can send your question in, uh, just in the chat box that's uh, attached to the, to the video there, and we will be receiving those loud and clear, Lord willing. We have an app for your mobile device as well. If you look for Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson in your app store, look for that red background with the, the Calvary Chapel Dove logo and download that and you'll be able to watch us uh, on your phone or iPad or whatever mobile device, iPhone or Android, that kind of thing. Um, we have a, a channel on Roku as well. Go to your channel store and look for Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson and you can download our channel or add our channel, I should say, and the same on Apple TV. So if you have those devices or a smart TV, that's a way that you can watch us on your big screen. Just blow us up big in your living room and just have at it, It'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> We're on YouTube as not well. Not too big though. <laughs> no, not too big, not high def. Yeah, maybe 720p, not the, t not the 10. We're getting old, you'll see all the wrinkles. <laughs> so yeah, view at your own risk. Uh, we're on YouTube as well. A Reason for Hope is the name of the channel. A Reason for Hope on YouTube. Uh, we're live there again as we speak, and that's a great place for archive videos as well. Whenever we're live, it automatically archives. If you go to that live tab, um, you'll see uh, just a history of our uh, live shows right there. Not only Reason for Hope, but our services here at Calvary Christian Fellowship, and um, also uh, other events. The uh, man, the Good Friday. I was just watching the Good Friday service again the other day. That was really good service so yeah <laughs> if you haven't seen that go back in the archive to good friday this year it was just such a beautiful service but anyway there's a bunch of videos on there whenever we've been live and uh, of course we're live right now and don't forget once again to like and subscribe and click on that notification bell then you'll get a little uh, a little poke a little reminder um on your device when we are live as well so you won't have to miss a thing um, our senior pastor here at calvary christian fellowship uh, pastor scott richards he's not with us today uh, but you can follow him on Twitter, Scott R4H is the handle, Scott, letter R, number four, letter H. He posts highlights from the show and he posts uh, a lot of commentary on world events and news events. Um, he used to actually be in, in uh, broadcasting and that kind of thing. Um, he's my favorite news correspondent. <laughs> I want to say his degree at the U of A is in communications. Oh, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. As well as his like theology who went on from there. but. But uh, he's my favorite uh, source for news because obviously it comes from a sort of biblical standpoint as well. So he often gives us an update here on the show. But if you follow along with him on Twitter, uh, you'll be kept up to date on things going on, but also some funny things and all that kind of stuff. So Scott Arthur H on Twitter, if you're on Twitter yourself. If you're on Rumble, that's a kind of a newer platform, uh, a reason for hope, Bible Q&A. We post videos there. We're not live there, but we have some videos, archive videos and stuff like that as well. And our email address, questionsforhope at gmail.com. That's questionsforhope all spelled out, uh, lowercase at gmail.com. You're welcome to email us there anytime. We get to those questions as well. If you're listening to us on the radio, uh, welcome, Reach Radio, one of the affiliates. Uh, if you're on your drive time, do drive safely, put your seatbelt on, don't text and drive, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but so you know, you're listening to the last show that we did pre-recorded. So you're the only place that we're not live, so to speak. Those other platforms, we're live. Um, but uh, we're glad that you're joining us. Use that email address, questionsforhope at gmail.com, and we'll get to the question on our next show. Consider joining us on one of those other live platforms when you're not on your drive time or uh, when you're safe to do so. So that's that. Those are all the ways you can find us. So if something fails or 
you know, we get booted off something, you have other options to find us. So once again, calvarychristianfellowship.com is a great home base for you. Well, with all that being said, we'd love to pause and pray before we go any further. Bo, would you like to pray for us today? Would you be willing? I know it's, yeah. a, it's a big ask, I know. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> talking man. to I God and all definitely that. Definitely. I'm in the talking to God mode. Oh, yeah, that's, so, good. that's good. <laughs> yeah. Father, we want to glorify your name uh, on this show and this program. Uh, pray that uh, a blessing on all the listeners and that you would be with them. And uh, Father, we pray that your word uh, would be that lamp unto our feet, that light unto our path, uh, and that we would take hold of it uh, during this show, that you would uh, speak through us, grace seasoned with salt, and give a reason for the hope that is within us. In mm -hmm. Jesus' name, yeah. amen. 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 Thanks for that. Yeah. Um, well, look, a great question to kick us off here as we catch up with the, what's going on on the, the platforms. Are there questions coming in? And once again, please do send in your questions on whatever platform. Um, Here's a question about prayer, and I'm posing it this way uh, very intentionally. The question is, does prayer work? Does prayer work? I guess if it's coming from someone who thinks that it doesn't and is, uh, I guess, checking the owner's manual, it's a good place to start. The purpose and reason why we pray is oftentimes misunderstood to be the, you know, petitioning of Santa Claus in the sky, so to speak. And when people pray and they don't get the answer that they want, they would either walk away from God because they think that no one's hearing them and therefore that's proof that no one was there to begin with, or they're taking, I guess, two steps too far and saying, well, maybe if I didn't pray it in the right way. We oftentimes make the reference to the Peanuts cartoon where it's like, you know, if you point your hands <laughs> in a certain direction, does that mean you get the opposite of what you want? When it comes to how the Bible describes prayer, the most plain and simple definition is communication. And like communicating with anybody in these kinds of terms, we need to first understand it's not to get what we want any more than talking to other people is always about getting what you want. Uh, the three passages, I think, let's keep it to two. The two passages, I think, to keep in mind, the first is in Philippians chapter 4, where Paul the Apostle, speaking to the church of Philippi, acknowledges that there's a time and a place for requests. And when we do that, it is not for the purpose of getting those requests necessarily fulfilled, but just to be made known. And this is in verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, supplication being a term for making requests, with thanksgiving, acknowledging the things that are good, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So through prayer and the making of requests, there is a difference. We are to make our request, whether it be for peace, whether it be for an answer, whether it be even necessarily for an object, known to God, and the result isn't necessarily what we asked for, but what we need at that moment. And the connection, of course, to God is what's most important to him. Uh, when we're going through the, I guess, times in the Bible where prayer ends up being the most important or people are communicating openly with God, you'll find the most conflict and the most positive outcomes depend on one factor and one factor alone. Someone coming to God on his terms or theirs. And if our desire is to get what God wants, well, he was going to do that anyway. If we know what God wants in a situation, which we can know, he's 
pretty straightforward about it, then we can ultimately just set ourselves up for success in that regard. God, I want what you want to happen. That's a prayer that's always going to be answered in the affirmative. But the purpose of prayer isn't always supplication. So when we're talking to God, it should be the way that he <laughs> talked to God. And that, of course, was modeled in the ministry of Jesus. Uh, when he was speaking to his disciples, didn't Jesus use a familiar phrase? But when it comes to when we pray, usually say, we, in Jesus' name, where did that come from? And does that give us an idea of what prayer is actually all about? That's a good question. In Jesus' name. Um, I'm trying to think where that does come from. John 14. If you John remember. 14. Yeah. Well, this is, I mean, there's two passages, like 14, uh, 13, and 14. Uh, so there's, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And then I was thinking of John 16. 24 until now you have asked nothing in my name ask and you will receive that your joy may be full so i was in thinking jesus name yeah i was thinking so is that like an abracadabra kind of in jesus name totally. pow no but that's what i was thinking about like when you asked you know where does jesus name come from those are the two passages that pop up in my brain yeah and when we're praying in jesus name what does that look like um it, in the same manner uh that jesus would pray yeah so he doesn't tell the father his business in fact we saw in the garden he yep. said not my will but yours be done a defaulting right. of the father's will we saw that he does all things to please the father so his priorities weren't his pleasure it was another's the one he was speaking to mm -hmm. and of course with this ongoing example when miracles took place Jesus didn't demand it they just kind of happened <laughs> yeah. they were given as on a need by I guess, demonstration basis, but what was the whole point? To act in Jesus' name, to represent him accurately. How did Jesus pray? Well, we can look at Matthew 6 as a good outline, but the point of emphasis was what? It wasn't necessarily long. There were times for that. It wasn't necessarily eloquent. It was personal. It was with the Father's will as highest priority, and it was because he wanted to. And if that's your attitude, then I think you are going to see prayer work not maybe as we would like it to be. We like our will to be done. But the purpose of God allowing this venue of communication between us and him is just that. Do you want fellowship with me to literally share my heart? It's not conforming God's will to mine. It's aligning my desires with his. Yeah. So that's when prayer works. Yeah, yeah totally. It's well said. Um, uh, I love the question how do you, uh, about prayer working. Yeah. Right. It's how do we know prayer works or how does prayer work? Um, and I think if you just stick even to those two passages we already mentioned in John 14, 13 and 14 and John 16, 24, um, you're going to get to like an answer of how how Jesus taught prayer worked. Mm -hmm. And one of them is prayer works because it glorifies the father. Yep. That's what he says in John 14. Pray in my name that the Father may be glorified. Mm. So we pray so that God is glorified. God's glorified when his son, when we pray in his son's name, in yeah. Jesus' name. That glorifies the Father. Yeah. The Father loves the Son. He's absolutely blown away by his son. He mm. loves his son so much. Yeah. He's pleased by his son. Right. 
And so he is blessed when we come before him, when we come before the Father in Jesus' name. So that's one way prayer works, is that it works to glorify the Father. And then Jesus in John 16 says, pray in my name that your joy may be full. Mm. So the other way that prayer works is that if it's a it's equated with our joy. So if I want my joy to be full, then I would pray in Jesus name. So that's how prayer works. Mm. Prayer works because as I glorify the Father in Jesus name, whom he loves, mm. he loves his son, my joy is rooted in the glorification of God. Right. So as God is glorified, me as a Christian, that's my number one desire, right. is that God is glorified. Right. That's my joy too. See, my joy is not separate from the glorification of God. Yeah. It's rooted in the glorification of God. Yeah. So that's how prayer works. Prayer works to glorify the Father and in turn to give you maximum joy. Yeah. Isn't that cool? It is. It's, it's, so prayer, that's how it works, man. That's, yeah. that's what it's doing. Yeah. And of course, the you know, when you hear the question like, "Does prayer work?" Yeah. And I know, I mean, if I think, I mean, all my life I've believed that there was a God. I believe there was a Creator, and mm-hmm. became a Christian when I was around twenty years old. But even before, I would pray at times, "God, please give me this thing or make it go this way," you know. And and it was, there was a hope that prayer would work in that I would pray, and then it would happen. Right. You know, and, and that's, that's what people mean. That's what people mean. Yeah, yeah. does it work? You know, it if, work? if it's not going to change anything, why bother? Yeah. But what you're saying is, the 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 way it works and the purpose of it and, and the the joy and peace in it is rooted in glorifying the Father and yeah. doing the will of the Son. Yeah, uh, and even just giving. You know, I mean, we're we're told in the Bible to present our requests to God. Right? There's nothing wrong with right. going to God with requests and, and supplications and things. Um, but I guess the joy comes from knowing that we've now given that to God and acknowledged Him and the desire for Him to do. Yeah, and that what He, he may be glorified in His fatherly uh, sovereignty over us yeah. and over the world. So it, it's it's different because you know usually when we say things like "Hey, I don't see prayer working," it's usually a very human-centered focus. Yeah, self-centered. That, yeah. Right, you know. And what Jesus is always doing, and this is the amazing thing about Jesus, is Jesus is getting our eyes off of ourselves and saying, no, your, your, your joy and happiness in life is not separate from the glorification of God. Right. It's got to be rooted in that. Mm. And so he gets us more God-centered. Yeah. And so maybe if you're out there and you're going, you know what, I've been thinking of prayer in this really human-centered way of mm-hmm. like, you know, I've been praying for a new car, I've been praying for a new boyfriend, girlfriend, I've been praying for a new house, and maybe I need to just simplify my prayer to, hey, uh, Father, you know, glorify your name. And mm-hmm. Jesus prayed that, by the way, in John chapter right. 12, <clears throat> you know, Father, glorify your name. Yeah. And and just come back to that, you know. And then after you do that, <laughs> you know, after you say that, then maybe say, "Hey, God, this is what I would desire." <laughs> but that being said, a, a new car would be nice, just in case. <laughs> That's right. Nothing's wrong with making your request known to God. He knows what you need before you even ask. Right. Jesus said, um, which probably shocked a lot of people because they probably prayed in those ways. And yeah. he said, "Hey, your Father already knows what you need before you even say it." Yeah. You know? 
But, uh, you know, it's always a great study to go throughout the Bible and uh, look for prayers. Mm. You know, start at Psalm 25 and just read Psalm 25, mm. Prayer of David, and see what you think, yeah. you know, of that prayer. Right. Yeah, very good. Certainly a very interesting topic, but hope that helps uh, And we also uh, you out. follow up from the elder on Facebook. He wanted to know uh, what it means to glorify God. Some believe this is a pompous slogan. Is it more than a religious phrase? Hmm. Um, glorify, glory literally means weight. So when we're taking the time to glorify anything, we're showing its weight. And in the time that Jesus was speaking, weight was synonymous with worth. If you remember like the balance scales, yeah. something's worth was determined based on whether it measured up. It was weight, the weight was at least as much as this much pound of iron. So you got a pound of silver and you got a pound of metal, you had to balance it out so that they'd know it was a pound of something. Now, if we're talking about glorifying God or showing his worth, that can be done in a lot of ways, but most of the time it's just through our time, our talent, or our treasure. We invest in him. We can do so financially, like Jesus said in Matthew, that he, where our treasure is there, our heart will be also. You can follow the money trail, so to speak, and it will show that. Secondly, in our time, do we think that the things of God are worth the time, effort, and energy that we invest into it, or is it just another aspect of our lives that can be taken or leaving on a moment's notice that's not worth that much to us? It doesn't have the kind of weight that would press on us like our hunger, like our hobbies, like our uh, I guess our hangovers even. The third way, and not just in treasure or time or talent, but talent in that these are the sort of things that inspire you. It weighs on you so much so to the point that you want to glorify God in the things that you do well. You consider them an aspect of his character, and you want to do that in such a way where it honors him. So when it comes to your hobbies, your talents, those are ways that we glorify God. And obviously when Jesus prayed to the Father and he said, glorify your name, the response was, I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The people were asking, what was that? And Jesus says, that wasn't for my sake, that was for you. And he goes on to explain that point of emphasis mm -hmm. that I'm here to show the glory of the Father. I'm right. here to show you what he's worth and the total, not just dedication of my life, but the demonstration of my character. Mm -hmm. This is what the Father's like. So Christ-likeness, Christ-investedness, those are the sort of things that glorify God when we start with the dictionary. It shows how much weight, how much impact, how much worth he has to us. Yeah, there's a really cool pamphlet online that you can get from an old Puritan writer named Thomas Watson. And um, so if you just like Google Thomas Watson PDF, mm. uh, maybe put glorifying God. Mm. Uh, so Thomas Watson PDF, glorifying God, you'll come up with this. And he, you know, he does, has this wonderful pamphlet on four things. And he talks about we glorify God through appreciation, adoration, affection, and subjection. Mm. And he goes into the scriptures that apply to those. Right. So we, we show value to God through yep. an appreciating God, yep. you know, and he, Psalm 97, 9, for you, O Lord, are the most high over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. Mm. We appreciate God. He, you know, one, the other one's adoration, you know, we ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name, worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness, Psalm 29, 2. Mm. So we adore God. 
Mm. You know, so you can see how appreciation, adoration, affection, mm. um, we have an affection towards God, we have a subjection towards God, yep. right? These things all show his value yeah. in our life. Yeah. Um, so it's a cool little pamphlet if someone's interested in reading on a little more on uh, glorifying God and what that's about. Yeah, and who can you say who that was again? That's the Thomas Watson. Okay. So um, Thomas Watson, and uh, you could just put PDF, yeah. Thomas Watson, glory glorifying, of God, glory of God. glorifying God, something yeah. like that, and you'll come up with it. That's great. I mean, it's a very important subject, obviously. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we huge. want to glorify God as, as believers. Well, great. Very good. Um, uh, a question from Dwayne that we, we actually covered before. Dwayne, you asked about, um, is it okay to do research on time periods and gods and cultures that people were into before the Bible? I know because you're like a fantasy story maker, and we went into that in depth um, last week. Do you remember which day it was, Sean? I know About that. Uh, five days ago. So Yeah, so maybe um, take a look. I think Friday. Uh, maybe Friday, yeah. If you take a look at Friday, because we went into that in great depth um, and answered that question there for Short you. answer, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, Not a big deal. Sean's certainly in that kind of field as well. So take a look and hopefully you can find that on there. Let us know if you can't. We'll try and dig that out for you as well. Um, have a question about Christmas, you know, being that time of year. Um, not really a question from Jet. He asks, what is Christmas in July? Uh, was Jesus born in July? Um, is Christ, uh, Christmas in July pagan? So oh what's boy. that all about? Oh. Uh, Christmas in July, like anything else, it's just a time that people have chosen to celebrate with a particular theme in mind. People associate with the Gregorian calendar because they didn't have anything else to do. But the question of Christmas in July is a lot like the question of Christmas itself. Was Jesus born on Christmas, and what are the actual origins? Because if you do a Google search, is Christmas pagan, you'll see everyone and their mom commenting about, like, oh, uh, pagans had, like, plants, and, you know, they had they wore the color red, and, you know, this proves that Christianity just copied from pagan myths. Oh, great. Well, when it comes to the reason why December 25th, people would say, oh, the winter solstice, right? No, that's the 21st. When it comes to the actual reason why we celebrate on the 25th, it had nothing to do with paganism. It came from a very bizarre cultural assumption and the Passover, neither of which were pagan. The reason why December 25th was selected was because of an estimated guess and an assumption that we don't agree with. The assumption was that significant figures in history died on the same day that they were conceived. So if we're doing the math here, the idea of their Jesus' death, of course, being on Passover, which was in late March, early April, the first month of the Jewish calendar, they would determine, okay, so nine months of gestation taken from that point that puts us towards the end of December and early January. So when they were putting together the calendar, they were trying to determine a day to honor the incarnation, the fulfillment of the prophecy in Isaiah 7:14. That was the reason why they chose that day. Now, was that the day that Jesus was born? You, you got a one in 365 chance of being right. The fact of the matter is, like any celebration, like Christmas in July or Christmas in winter, take or pick, that is the reason why we're choosing to celebrate to remember something important. Christmas in July is less Christmassy because it doesn't involve Jesus, it just involves shopping and the more festive aspects of it. Um, a lot of the themes 
that associate with Christmas, like mistletoe, that's a Norse, Saxon, Anglo thing, where they would associate that with fertility for various reasons, but it has nothing to do with the birth or incarnation of Jesus. The idea of Christmas trees aren't a pagan thing. People say like, oh yeah, well, uh, the, the Druids, right? They, they, they worship trees. Well, Druid means oak seer. They, they particularly were associated with a kind of tree, and an evergreen tree is not an oak tree. I, I know that. Hopefully you do too. When it comes to the celebration of them, there's no records of it being associated with paganism. At least the earliest records were uh, records as far as the limits of how big your evergreen trees were supposed to be, and they associated them with Christmas specifically. The word Christmas is literally Christ's Mass. It was a gathering of believers to remember Christ. The term you, you can butcher it in any way that you want, but it is, in fact, a Christian idea, not a biblical one. And let me specify the difference. A lot of cultural traditions, for example, uh, St. Nicholas, uh, St. Nicholas of Myra was a historical figure. He was a bishop in Turkey, and as we would call it today, and uh, ironically, according to some records, he was present at the Council of Nicaea and got a bit violent with a proto-Jehovah's Witness by the name of Arius, which I find hilarious. But there's a lot of odd associations with him. Uh, the stories kind of developed involving reindeer and him wearing the big red coat. It was originally brown, but a Coca-Cola ad came through, and that's why we associate him with that. It, it's a lot of uh, Americanized and European themes, but it's no more rooted in paganism than like I started with the fact that just because pagans participated in something or existed on a particular day, therefore that makes this Thing, pagan. The reason what you're doing and why are what are key. And if we have two days a year, Christmas in July or Christmas in December, to remember the incarnation, I'm all the more for it. But if we say, oh, what are its, what are its pagan roots? Uh, poppycock, that's people making up a bunch of stuff to be the hip in thing. You actually ask them for sources, they're going to reference either Alexander Hislop's The Two Babylons, which was bogus, or they're just going to say, uh, trust me, bro, I got it on Wikipedia. Either way, it's not going to hold up in court. So make sure that when we are asking about the origins of any holiday, we don't first jump to paganism, because I promise you, if I hear that one more time, I'm going to gouge my eyes out. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Um, but, uh, you know, things things get repeated, so we don't want you to gouge your eyes out, Sean. You know, it's Make reading keep difficult. them in there. Keep them in there. Um, you have beautiful eyes. Yeah. <laughs> you and your Type boat. 2 heterochromia. It's very <laughs> rare. Yeah, but I think it's, you know, and it's kind of a, I think, a, um, you know, uh, kind of a, a big deal to a lot of people when they go, hey, we, we you know, usually... Uh, celebrate the birth of Jesus December 25th and and then you kind of come to this realization like oh my gosh like it it might not be on the 25th of December yeah. and it can become like a big deal in people's minds right. you know and then and then you know you do a little further study and then you start studying paganism and you, you know and then pr pretty soon you're like oh that's a pagan thing and you know I could see where you know you you know you kind of got to go through that you know in your yep. studies and kind of work through that bug if you will right um, obviously from Luke chapter 2 um, you know we see that there was a census that took place people were going to uh, their place of um, their hometown so to speak during the census um, obviously, I'm not sure if the census would have taken place in the winter of um, 
you know, during this time. Um, there's a lot of reasons why, uh, you know, we might not look at December being the time of the birth of Christ. I'm just bringing up the census and the traveling and stuff like that that's taking place. Yeah. But um, there's other there's other things too that people have written about. Um, but I could see why for some a lot of people it's kind of a big deal, you mm -hmm. know, because you kind of tend to think like, oh man, you know, the church is totally right. You know, the 25th, that's, you know, you kind of tend to look at yep. it that way. Yep. And then all of a sudden you're shocked, you know, that, oh my gosh, like it's not true, <laughs> you know? Um, it's and, not false. Yeah, yeah, it's not false, it, but they don't, you know, we don't know. Yeah. And, uh, but for some, for some people that's huge. Yeah. You know, yeah, they have huge convictions about it. And, yeah, yeah. Or they're are they're just like they're born in say like a Catholic tradition. Yeah. And and you know, to question the birth of Christ being on the twenty fifth could be absolutely shocking. Right, right. You know, to someone. So yeah, that's true. Yeah. So don't gouge your eyes out, bro. You know, yeah. hang in there. Yeah. You know. <laughs> but it seems I mean, bottom line it seems uh, Christmas in July is just for people. Like I don't want to wait another six months before Getting gifts and giving gifts yeah. is kind of a more worldly thing. Not and really. I thought I thought Christmas in July was like a, um, I thought it was like uh, like a ministry thing, you know. For some reason, I I kept oh, really? I kept thinking of um, a Samaritan's uh, what is it Samaritan's uh, like, purse? Is that what it yeah, is? Samaritan's like, uh, you know Christmas the ministry child? Operation, Operation Christmas, Christmas child? child. Yeah, like Christmas in July. I always thought. Oh uh, yeah. Kind of that that was like a, a, a time that they start. In a sense, prepping yeah. for the uh, the shoe boxes that right. they do in that ministry. Yeah. This is this is a ministry of uh, uh, Franklin uh, Graham, right? Um, and so, um, and you might have heard of Billy Graham. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> sounds familiar. And yeah. so, this is his son, and who has this ministry that's yeah. very very large and yes. has a lot of An awesome, a lot of uh, wonderful uh, gifts to yeah. people all over the world yeah, through the these shoeboxes. Shoe right. So that's when I think of Christmas in July. That's actually where my mind goes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know if they started that. Or yeah. Did, so you might not have thought that at all, uh, whoever. Yeah, Jet. <laughs> yeah, Jet. But. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. Well, thank you, Jeff, for that question. Um, hope that that helps. A lot of good thoughts on that. Uh, question from Landon: Should we create a day to celebrate our pastors? Some pastors I know don't like Pastors Appreciation Day. What are your thoughts? I think I can speak for all of us. That yes, we should every day. Um, <laughs> gift cards and <laughs> jewelry. No, That's maybe right. not. What are your thoughts on that? Pastors Appreciation Day. Well, scripturally. It's mentioned several times to esteem those who are put in authority over you with every honor. And mm -hmm. Paul, speaking to his disciple Timothy, notes uh, that those who engage in the ministry are literally worthy of combat pay. So if you just want to honor them because you recognize a service due to them, it's kind of like, and I enjoy the company of veterans a lot because they tend to be the most honest kind of people. But when it comes to, you know, my own sensibilities. I don't even like celebrating my birthday when the attention's on me. I just get kind of queasy. But when, you know, you recognize something good from somebody, like you thank a veteran for their service, it's not going to be necessarily for their benefit because, again, speaking from experience, I've asked them, they said, I don't really ever know how to respond to that. I just did the job. And that's kind of from our perspective. But if you have an opportunity to express thankfulness, that's straight First or First Corinthians, First Thessalonians chapter four, in Thanksgiving. That's the will of God for you. So if you have an opportunity to express that, not just towards spiritual leadership, but everything in your life, I'd say one more opportunity to it. But if you get 
into the concern or anxiety, like, oh no, my pastor doesn't think that he's appreciated. Well, if he's worth his salt, literally, hopefully he's doing the job as unto the Lord, not the praise of men. But to take the time to appreciate those in authority over you, yeah, that's biblical. To express thankfulness towards people in your life that provide you with service, that's biblical. Mm -hmm. Just uh, make sure, A, you consider their feelings myself included, but also the kind of heart behind it. That's all I'd say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you do what you do under the Lord. I mean, if you want to recognize your your pastor, then go for it. You know, encourage one another daily, as it's called today. Mm -hmm. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13 says that. Um, so I think it's wonderful. Um, I uh, we have a wonderful secretary here, and uh, she's she's my assistant in many things. And uh, it seems like pastor appreciation. She always gets me a card or something, and uh, she's always super thankful. And and mm. you know, I, and I get cards in the mail here, and you know, uh, and and it's a blessing, you mm. know, that people uh, uh, appreciate your input and. Um, Sometimes it's being maybe there with them at the hospital. Maybe it's doing a memorial or doing their wedding um, or just counseling or, or just being there, just, you know, working hard. They see you working hard and they want to encourage you in it. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's great. Um, so I agree with Sean there, you know, um, you know, uh, you know, just do if you want to get your your pastor something, you do it under the Lord, yep. and uh, you know, don't make a show of it. And, right. and um, I'm sure he'll he'll you know they'll appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, and it's okay to receive that encouragement. I know I've personally gone from you know maybe one extreme to the other extreme <laughs> and kind of land, landed in the middle yeah. and found that the middle place, because especially in you know worship ministry, you you have people come up like oh you know worship was wonderful and you can be just like oh don't don't, don't say that don't tell me oh, <laughs> right. oh it's not me i'm nothing I'm blah, blah. Yeah. um or you could be the other way we're like yeah i'm so skilled at my voice you know <laughs> but i but you know these recent years i just say yeah it was you know that was <laughs> worship great. was great this <laughs> was morning awesome. because it's it wasn't it's not about me you know yeah. we can make it about us in pride we can make it about us and just like no oh, no 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 yeah but um, when someone yeah when someone's encouraging you it's just like yeah god it's you know God is using me, you know, and yeah. glory, like glory to him, as yeah. we've talked about, you know. Yeah. Um, and it's exciting. We should have, we should have, again, one of the ways we uh, glorify God is through appreciation. Yeah. You know, when we appreciate God's work. Yeah. And we go, man, it's awesome to see Jesus in you, you know, brother, sister. It's awesome right. to see that. Right. And I certainly appreciate the Lord's work in your life. I mean, uh, if we can't be excited about Jesus and, and how... I mean, let's face it, man. Jesus is so much better than us. And uh, to see his work in our lives is really cool. And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So yeah. to let's appreciate it. it and celebrate it, man, that's great. Yeah. You know? Yes, it is. That's the ultimate thing. I mean, that's, that's, the, yeah. <laughs> that's the hope and the purpose, you know. Yeah. Very good. Well, uh, who was that? Landon. Yes. Thank you for that question. It's a great question. Hope that uh, helps you out. Um, the question from Trevor, um, Sean, you mentioned we may have answered this recently, but I think it's it's such a common question. It's probably worth going over again. All right. Um, treasure asked, uh, treasure, I called you treasure. Trevor, Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you're a treasure too, to those who know and love you. Um, we know some people uh, will not accept Christ as their savior um, ever. They will spend eternity in hell. So why does God create them knowing that will happen? Wouldn't it be better had they not been born? So yeah. people that are born, God knowing, if he's all knowing, that they will not receive him and go to hell. 
What is that all about? That doesn't well, seem fair. Before you, before you answer, let me just say this. You collect your thoughts on this. Collected. And, and uh, <laughs> collected. And let me just answer uh, this, too. Is that Job chapter 3, when Job begins his, his, uh, his rant in grief mm-hmm. in the book, um, he, we, we would have to agree that Job is a believer. Yep. In God. I don't think anybody, I've never heard anybody right. really doubt that. Yeah. Wasn't that the whole point? The, the, <laughs> That's the, the right. God was like, Joe's, That's the whole point. Joe's my man. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. But the, my point is, is that Job starts the rant by, cursed is the day I was born. Yeah. And, and so Job, a believer in God, Yep. you know, has moment a moment of incredible grief mm. uh, over a period of time, obviously. Mm. And he looks at his own birth as being, um, you know, why did I even be born? Yeah. And the point is, is that trials themselves, um, whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, will bring you to your knees yeah. and will bring you to stu- such a place of potential depression yep. that you will, you can literally curse the day you were born. That's yep. how much, it's very poetic language, but it expresses a real feeling right. within Job. Yep. So to, it, it, the reason why I bring it up is because it's an assumption that, that only, you know, you know, the idea of cursed is the person who's, you know, born you know, because they're going to go to hell. Well, no, I mean, some we all feel that. That's a human feeling mm. that a lot of us feel when yeah. we go through trial, and especially when we go through death, when we go yeah. through our body failing and we're going to die. Right. Um, sometimes we go, why was I even born? This is yeah. so horrible. Yeah. You know, that kind of idea. Yeah. So that happens. Even. So anyway, with that side note, um, Sean, take it away. Yeah, uh, when it comes to what God could or shouldn't have done, we usually think in terms of, okay, I'm going to take this from the utilitarian route, meaning I'm going to minimize the amount of damage and maximize the amount of efficiency, and then impose that as the best possible type of decision and say, God didn't conform to my efficient system. The second angle people go off of is, well, this makes me feel bad, and the perfect thing wouldn't make anyone feel anything but happiness and good feelings ever. When we're working without a net, I can make references that plenty of people have uh, throughout all of human history when their parents have had to uh, put their kids through things that they didn't understand at the time, and yet in spite of that, it was the best thing for them, even though it produced a lot of negative feelings and loud noises. Uh, for example, getting shots as a kid. No infant likes that, and no parent likes having their infant go through that, yep. but they understand that if there are legitimate vaccinations, that that is a necessary, quote-unquote, evil. But if, on the other hand, we're going to go, well, why did God even create this world, knowing that there would be people in it that would go to hell? Well, there's four kinds of worlds that God could have created. First, he could have created basically an existence where only goodness, only his nature is represented, in which case he wouldn't have created anything. No world, right? Just God. Second, he could have created a world that had no agency, that only good was allowed to exist, that when God created 
God, <laughs> that more God was allowed to exist and permeated only things that reflected its nature, everything would have been perfect. But that would not be a creation, that would be expansion. There's no point to it. The third kind of world, the world that you're trying to emphasize, is the world where judgment is most glorified in God. That when rebellious creatures manifest, when God creates something that's not God, and not God acts not like God, it's immediately wiped out and purged. The damage is mitigated, the righteousness of God is demonstrated, there's no possibility for that evil to linger or to spread. But that means that Adam and Eve are knocked out instantly. Nothing exists. Yeah, then then you wouldn't have, everything would it cease to exist. Yeah, so we're back <laughs> to world of, one. Right. <laughs> and then the fourth world is the world that we're living in today, where the possibility of evil is preserved, but also the possibility of the highest good, and that is love. Now, love is something that is freely chosen or rejected. And for God to allow a world where the ability to say no to him exists, incurs with it incredible consequences, but not one that God distanced himself from. When we're asking the question, why is it that God would let people go through hell? Well, God himself didn't limit himself from separation from himself, the definition of hell. So think about that for a second. We don't have a God who distanced himself from the pain we inflicted on ourselves, but willingly became a part of it. And if that's then the case, what are we working with here? We're not looking at a utilitarian God. What works the most? We're not looking at a God that's interested only in your feelings. That's an immature God. We're looking at a God who's empathetic, a God who's willing to risk and involve himself in the hurt that he didn't have to become a part of. Mm. Yet because his nature is loved by nature, I, I'm repeating myself here, but his uh, fundamental nature is that love. He allows us and respects us in the freedom we have to reject him, not just in our ultimate decisions, but our immediate decisions as well. Now, if you want to get into hypotheticals, I'm not going to play that game. This is what the perfect mind has decided to do. And if you got a problem with that, you can, you know, forward that to your nearest uh, post office. But when it comes to what we actually have to work with, Here's the, the facts on the table. Yes, there are people who will say no to relationship with him forever. That decision is respected. There are also people who will say yes to a relationship with him forever. That decision's also respected. Notice what the two things have in common, a decision that is respected. It's the only kind of world that we can live in where the possibility of our existence and heaven is possible. If you would prefer us not to exist, I'm glad God's different than you, but when it comes down to it, this is what we actually have. This is reality, and we can be grateful for that because it also preserves the freedom for you and I to ask questions like this and not also get struck down. So, yeah, yeah, and it's you know it's a heavy question. Um, I think uh, Philip Yancey uh, might be a good read for um, the 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 person who uh, wrote the question in how oh, Trevor uh, it, Trevor I don't know if you've ever read Philip Yancey before but he he wrote a lot of famous books um, the Bible Jesus read disappointment with God um, where's God when it hurts um, those are just three uh, big Philip Yancey books mm. but I think one of the things Yancey does and he's such a wonderful writer and this guy knows the world very well he's just very very knowledgeable on many things but the way he's able to weave 
in the uh, wonderful empathy of God into our world uh, and not stay at a distance, but literally come into the world, suffer with the world, bear with the world, uh, sympathize with the world. Uh, you know, it's very much uh, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same. You know, why? So that he might destroy the works uh, who had the power of death. That is, uh, and the, all, all of us were subject to this bondage of death. And so Yancey does a great job of helping us understand that God is not just some, uh, I think you put it, uh, utilitarian being out there, uh, you know, but that there is a personhood of the deity, mm -hmm. uh, that God has a personality, a uh, a persona, if yeah. you will, and he penetrated this world mm -hmm. and literally died under the, uh, from his creation. Right. He subjected himself to death, even death on the cross, mm -hmm. at the hands of his created I mean, unreal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, I mean the, the, the message of the incarnation of Christ, God in human flesh, is unbelievable. Yeah. You know, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Wow, right. that is pretty amazing. Yeah. You know, the, when we get to these issues of, well, God knows all things, so he knows who's going to believe in him, he doesn't know who's going to, you know, yeah, okay, the Bible definitely states these things of God being omniscient. Um, and we totally are good with that. Uh, but we have to stick to what uh, what we see in this world, meaning I can't figure out certain things about everything about the deity. and Let alone yourself. Yeah, let alone myself. Yeah, I, I'm going to have to stick to what I know, yeah. um, you know, kind of empirically. And empirically, we are beings that make decisions. Mm -hmm. And Jesus tells us to go into the world and make disciples of all people. Uh, he didn't say, hey, there's going to be a certain amount of people that are going to make decisions for me. You know, only go to those people that, yep. you know, you no, know, he just said, go out into the world. Yep. And so we're going to have to stick with that. And, you know, um, I, I think they're, they're wonderful thoughts and, and, and we get to ponder, you know, the uh, intricacies of the deity of God yep. and, and go, wow, you know, God is the potter. We are the clay. He makes some vessels this and he makes some vessels that. Yep. That's clear. Um, how that all works, I'm not quite sure, right. you know, how it all works. Yeah. And, um, you know, but all I know is uh, we definitely have a decision to make. Mm -hmm. we're, we're told to make a decision. And we're also told that God opens up eyes. Yeah. And so we're just going to have to stick to those things. Yeah. And know? that's okay. And that's, and that's okay. That brings me a lot of peace. The Bible itself says God, God's ways and thoughts are higher than ours. And that's something that I want. Like, I want a God that I don't fully understand. <laughs> yeah. If I can fully grasp, like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And, he, you know, I want a God bigger than me, and he is. And so it's yeah. okay to say we don't fully understand that because we can't comprehend it. But we trust him who is greater, you know, and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a great, great, great Great question. Yeah. Many books have been written on that yes, subject. Absolutely. But you might really enjoy the Philip Yancey books and get a really different perspective. Great. Good stuff. Well, great recommendation. Trevor, thank you. Great question for that. We're coming up on the end of our show. 
already. Uh, we have a question from Yari here. Can demons come to people uninvited or does someone have to open the door for them? Thank you. Thanks, well, Yari, for your question. And there's another important question in that as well is what keeps the door closed? <laughs> yeah. Uh, first yeah. of all, let's uh, just close the door and leave it there. Yeah. First of all, when we're talking about demonic possession, the nature of the supernatural and so forth, uh, first of all, we're not a group that would deny demonic possession as possible. We see regular examples of it in scripture. Second, we're a group that recognizes there's a difference between mental disorders and demonic possession, though sometimes they exhibit the same symptoms. It's an entirely different disease, if you catch the illustration. Third, when it comes to what we're told about the workings of Satan, uh, the examples that we have of possession, we're not really told about what led up to it. We just know that there was one and only one answer to it, and that was the power of God. That was the authority they submitted to, and when people tried to do that apart from him, we see in the book of Acts with the, uh, the seven sons of Sceva that they... Uh, well, you can read it on your own time. But the point being made in emphasis is what keeps the demonic at bay. Uh, when you don't have the authority of Christ behind you, or spoiler alert, within you, then you're essentially fair game. But because these entities aren't omnipresent and aren't, aren't uh, all-powerful and all-present, they have to essentially choose their battles. Uh, we see, for example, with the demoniacs and the Gadarenes, the demon-possessed men that between the two of them had more than three to five thousand demons within them that that's a very bad place to be but they made an insistence that that territory was a place they needed to stay in that their plea to jesus wasn't to send them out of the country or into the abyss the place of holding for evil and rebellious spirits until judgment so there's a reason there's a purpose behind these creatures and we're not told necessarily what that is or why we're only told that they are dealt with the same way that darkness is dealt with. Deal with it by exposing them to the light. Now, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all, and the same book that notes that name tells us emphatically that in you, notice this, the Holy Spirit in you, right, the Christian who is indwelt by the Spirit of God, notes in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 4, you are of God, little children, and you have overcome them. That's a reference to the spirit of Antichrist who according to 2 Thessalonians 2, comes the working of Satan. So, similar theme. And because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So, if that's our working understanding of the demonic, then these doctrines that are called demonic oppression, you're not possessed, but you're oppressed, there's demonic influence in your life, they aren't biblical. They're attributing to the demonic what's more appropriately applied to what we call the flesh and the world. Yes, we do acknowledge that, according to 1 John chapter 2, there are influences of the enemy, that the enemy goes to and fro throughout the world seeking whom he may devour, a la, is it 1 Peter 5? But the point of emphasis is five just eight. that, yeah, 5 8. So when we're talking about this, he can do land office business. He can interact with us in some way, for example, when the Lord permitted him to buffet Job. But when it comes to attributing to him every single sin, every single temptation, none of us are that cool. <laughs> when demons are doing demon things, it's the same as when angels are doing angel things. Most of the time it's above our pay grade, and we do ourselves a disservice by wasting time focusing on that. Here's the essence of spiritual warfare draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Book of James. 
Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Well, how do you resist the devil? Draw near to God, he'll draw near <laughs> to you. That's why that verse yep. well, it came first. So that's the nature of the demonic. If we want the door closed, know the Lord. If we want the door secured, stay with the Lord. If we want to ask, is that door being assaulted, or is this person being affected? Uh, here, I, I don't mean to put myself out of business here, but here's your exorcism class, okay? Mention the name of Jesus. That will be a fine line between someone who's having a mental disorder or some sort of drug withdrawal and someone who's actually possessed. Because having had two experiences with someone legitimately demon-possessed, you're going to look like you just threw a brick at their head. It's morbidly amusing. But if, on the other hand, you have someone who's just struggling with something physical or emotional or just fleshly, that can also be dealt with in other ways, but it's not something demonic. So Yari, when it comes to coming into people uninvited, yeah, but it's not going to be for no reason. Uh, Ouija boards get too much credit. Uh, does someone have to open the door for them? Once again, we're not told the circumstances, but yeah. there are situations where that happens. Yeah, and I would just say be careful. I mean, you just do a little search online and you're going to get three ways the doors open, 10 areas the doors open. Yeah. You know, and I was just looking at the list. Doing yoga. Yeah, um, yeah. I was oh looking at the list of some of these things, and it's really, really wild. Yeah. Um, so just be careful with that. Abide in the Lord. Yeah, simple, simple. Well, yep. these gentlemen here are going to be teaching in about 30 minutes um, on what's the topic? On God of the Old Testament, New Testament. Yeah, yeah. question we yeah. dealt with last week. Yeah, question, great question. So if you stick around in about 30 minutes, we'll be going live again on all the platforms we're currently on, or if you're in the Tucson, Arizona area, come on down to Calvary Christian Fellowship. You should have time to head down here, depending on where you live. If not, we'll see you back here same time and same place tomorrow. Thanks for being part of Reason for You've Hope. been listening to A Reason for Hope. Thank you again for joining us as we continue our journey through God's Word, one question of the heart at a time. Until we meet again, we would love to connect with you. You can text or email your questions to questionsforhope at gmail.com. You can also find out more about our ministry at calvarychristianfellowship.com. And be sure to join us next time on A Reason for Hope. A Reason for Hope is an outreach ministry of Calvary Christian Fellowship in Tucson, Arizona.